All right, it's the off season. We're good. Uh, hi, I'm Walter Hickey, and joining me as always is Neil Payne of Five Thirty Eight and Jake LaHut joining us from Insider. How's it going, everybody? Hey, Walt. Hey, Walt. Good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, uh, we are going to talk about an event that happened last night. It took place in a city called Seattle, uh, which is best known for other sports. Uh, but in this situation, they have gained a hockey team. Uh, Neil, I guess we'll just get this one out of the qu- out of the way quickly. Who is the team of the week this week? <laughs> yeah, the Kraken are uh, the team of the week. I think that's fair to say. Uh, well, they're the expansion team of the week. Mm. Then who's the other the already team of the week then? <laughs> I don't know. There wasn't. There wasn't any. <laughs> Classic. Um, but yeah. So uh, we watched the draft last night. You followed the draft last night. This was kind of fun. The idea that you can just steal players from other teams. It's very. It's very blue shell in Mario Kart for me, which is very much my game. I think that everybody should. I think that every year you should have to kind of do this. But um, yeah. So uh, who got taken? Because <laughs> I, I, I know you know who got taken from the Rangers, but who are some of the more recognizable individuals that were obtained by this organization? <laughs> well, yeah, they, they took a few uh, players that are coming off, you know, good seasons and, or are recognizable names. Uh, I, and, and the funny thing was that there wasn't that much um, drama necessarily about who they were going to take because uh, the picks mostly had been leaked well beforehand, which uh, was kind of a fun aspect to this. Uh, but yeah, I, I, they picked, you know, for instance, Chris Dreger, the goalie from the Panthers. I think everyone knew that they're going to take him. He had a great season in Florida. They took Mark Giordano, who kind of low-key has been one of the best defensemen in the league over the course of his career. Took Jared McCann, uh, who also uh, was on Pittsburgh for a while. He had been, uh, I think, traded to the Maple Leafs. There was some stuff going on there, but uh, he's a scoring forward, uh, kind of gives them uh, somebody that can maybe put up some some production. Yanni Gord from the Lightning, uh, people will kind of know him from the cup run, uh, multiple cup runs that they made uh, the past couple of years. So there were some guys that, uh, you know, you might have heard of, uh, which is, different from previous uh, expansion drafts from, for instance, my Atlanta Thrashers uh, when I was growing up uh, and they did their expansion draft, uh, practically no one that they took was anyone that anyone had heard of. Uh, so that, that tells you a little something about how the rules changed for, um, for the expansion draft since then. Uh, but also, you know, there was some criticism of the Kraken and of Ron Francis for maybe not, you know, leveraging things quite as well as the Vegas Golden Knights had done the previous, um, you know, time a couple of years ago, uh, in the sense that Vegas was able to come out of it with, I think, a, a, a stronger roster um and, and they made a lot of use of some of these side deals and kind of you know tit for tat type of uh deals that you could make uh, in exchange for not picking certain guys getting concessions all kinds of things like that there were reports that the rest of the league got a lot smarter about that and that <laughs> seattle wasn't yeah. really able to swing a lot of trades uh you know before the draft or, or extract the same types of concessions so it was fascinating to me to see uh, how much was learned and how many lessons were, were taken away from the vegas draft and then also sort of comparing the state of the initial kraken roster with um you know a team like vegas and then also again with all those expansion teams that it should be said were 
really well and truly dreadful from like the 90s that, that I remember, you know, as, as a kid. But I'm curious, uh, Jake, as, as to what your thoughts are and what your takeaways were from, from the draft as well, as someone that has been watching uh, hockey for roughly as long as I have and remember some of those yeah. teams as well. Yeah, my, so my Red Wings lost uh, a defensive prospect, Jen- Dennis Chalowski, who was a first-round pick from like – a while back. So, I mean, you push right. in the definition of prospect, honestly, he probably should have <laughs> established himself in the NHL by this point. And I think the wings fans were pretty happy about this. Honestly, like it was a little bit of a bummer to see no one really sad that this guy was going. We're like, well, the other teams, you know, you at least have a, some sort of cohort in the fan base that is a little devastated by who's leaving. And wings were like, nah, we won this for good. I just wouldn't done it again. Um, I think a lot of people thought they were going to, the, the Kraken would pick Troy Stetcher, this defenseman that the Red Wings acquired last year, who's playing for the Canucks. has looked really great. I mean, my take was that it's, they're building like a solid, mostly youth oriented team. It doesn't seem like they were picking up a bunch of like, you know, pending free agent guys to try to, you know, flip them for draft picks or something at the end of the next trade deadline. Like, this strikes me as a team that could do pretty decently in the Pacific Division next year. And a couple that stood out for me were um, one on the the kind of like the youth end, guys like Tyler Picklick from Arizona. Uh, some people who like haven't been you know, maybe his major names, like the Morgan Geeky guy from the Hurricanes. Um, and then there's kind of a mix of, like, decent, you know, veterans. Uh, Larson and Alexiak on defense, who are from the Oilers and Stars. Those guys can kind of play with just about anybody. Obviously, Giordano is a good, another great piece of that core. And then you got someone like, you know, Jonas Donskoy from the Avalanche. Lots of playoff experience, especially with all these runs that the Sharks were making a couple years back. So, between that and the fact that they're going to have the second overall pick in the draft draft on Friday, which, you know, they could get uh, this guy, Matty Beneers from Michigan, who, could, you know, mm-hmm. that's basically like you're getting a, a young Jonathan Taves type center who could, you know, m- maybe not necessarily be like your best, you know, forward or even maybe your number one center, but someone who's like going to be really, really good for a long time and is probably the closest to NHL ready of most of the guys that are going to be drafted. Um, they're like looking in pretty solid shape all of a sudden. I was, I also thought it was nice that ESPN had the rights and I think comparing how they did the event with NBC was interesting. You know, NBC the last time around, they basically did like, we're going to be in a hotel, ballroom, conference room (laughs) kind of thing. Everyone's going to stand awkwardly on a stage. We're going to announce the picks like it's just like a draft where, you know, ESPN just kind of threw spaghetti at the wall. And while uh, we were, you know, we were cracking up with, they were just deploying Kevin Weeks like all over the city in these pre-recorded segments where like they were throwing a fish and they took the yeah. pick like out of the inside <laughs> of the fish. They did one from the top of like the mountain, top of the space needle. So I thought like it did show that ESPN is much more willing to embrace kind of like pageantry and like God forbid entertain the fans. So that was just promising in general. And I just liked the way that you know ESPN is gonna have a lot of talent just covering the league and they have a really interesting you know, in terms of like age profile and background, it's a pretty diverse set of commentators they have. So that was all, you know, pretty promising. Um, I mean, I think that in terms of the, the to the last point you're making about 
whether Ron Francis is, you know, going to be able to get away with what Vegas did, you know, probably not. But also I think that it's a little unfair to judge just on the expansion draft picks when, you know, the real draft is coming up and there are a bunch of teams that still have a lot of issues with their salary cap. And there are a lot of trades you can do on draft day, especially as an expansion team that you might not be able to get away with as a regular team. And Vegas really started to put the screws to people the last time around <laughs> around the NHL draft. And that's when I think like if people maybe weren't woken up to the fact that like this team was borderline extorting people around the expansion draft, by the end of draft day, people were like, Oh man, like, like this team got really good. Um, so it's tough. I just think it's interesting because Vegas was the most recent expansion team that that sets the bar like kind of high in terms of, you know, expectations to win, production value, like on a bunch of fronts, like Vegas was a very exceptional expansion team and how they rolled out. And I think that definitely puts Seattle in a tough position just because everything is going to be inevitably compared to what Vegas did. But that's a great point uh, that you made about like they they did seem to avoid the kind of high-priced veteran types that were dangled out there, guys that could have probably actually given them something early on yeah. but would have eaten up a lot of cap space and now they have i think it's like 30 million dollars uh in cap space where yeah maybe the, you know this is just the beginning of the maneuvering where they can kind of step in look at the other teams that might be having some financial you know difficulties given uh where the league is and and with covid and everything like that not having fans and they can maybe say like, hey, we've got the cap space to maybe sop up, you know, uh, some of your contracts and and various, you know, players that could contribute even more than the guys that you left unprotected, you know, now that uh, there's even more opportunities, like you said, with the draft. So I'm curious to see what they do and whether this is just sort of like the starting point, because Vegas was a unique uh, opportunity that yeah, what happened with them? Really it sounds like a lot of practice you kind of alluded before. to like conniving and like what 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 did vegas do if you don't mind me asking well i mean they were able to there was just so many different factors in the vegas expansion draft that had never been present for a previous expansion draft in the nhl and really maybe even any other sport like yeah. if you think about it was the first uh salary capped expansion draft in the nhl uh they were allowed to make a lot of side deals with teams uh to the point of saying like hey, we won't take this guy that you left uh, uh, unprotected on your list if you give us this, these other set of assets and things like that. Uh, and they just were so sharp at being able to kind of work those deals. And and like you said, Jake, extorting other teams in some ways. <laughs> being like, yeah. gee, it would be a real shame if we were to take this player. Uh, and, exactly. you know, kind of like they, the they just pillage the rest of the league by doing that every time. Like, <laughs> and they, like and oh, they, be a real shame uh, you lost your number one defenseman. What if you give us right. like all your draft picks and we will right. spare you? <laughs> yeah, and, and they did that. I mean, the, to your point about the bar being as high as it is, I don't think anybody even on like – after draft day, after, you know, all the offseason um, stuff for the expansion had settled. I don't think anybody had Vegas on their list of going to the Stanley Cup final mm -hmm. uh, on their bingo card for, for Vegas's season. But that really is where they sort of set the bar. And a lot of that was like, hey, they also play in Vegas. They had a ridiculous home record that a lot of people attributed 
to what's called the Vegas flu, <laughs> which I don't think needs to be uh, put into any kind of explanation on this. So there's a lot of things going for them. It is a little bit unfair to kind of compare them. And also, yeah, the league basically looked at what Vegas did and was like, uh, we're not going to fall for these <laughs> things again. And we're not going to really let you do the same thing. So I think, yeah, Seattle was coming in at uh, a little bit of a disadvantage um, comparatively. Uh, and yeah, they, they definitely seem to put a focus on avoiding the, the guys that are veterans that had the high price tag, keeping things cost controlled and giving themselves more flexibility coming out of the expansion draft. And we'll see what they can do from there. Yeah. Also, another thing, Wall, I would point out that maybe a factor that was going on here that wasn't with the Vegas draft was that, you know, before COVID, a lot of the league expected there to be this big, fat new TV deal, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, there was eventually with ESPN (laughs) and TNT, but because of the way that the pandemic affected the collective bargaining agreement and just revenue in general, everyone thought that because there'd be this huge check with the, with the TV deal, that would mean the league would raise the salary cap. So when uh. teams were doing contract negotiations for the last couple of years, Toronto is probably a great example of this, where they had to re-sign guys like, you know, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and, you know, William Nylander and all, all these other guys. And so the, the, basically the idea is like, we'll give uh, players, you know, super long-term deals and pay them like a lot that might pinch us under this salary cap in a, you know, annual salary department, but under the new cap, we'll actually get a good deal out of this because it's, it's a lot of money spread out over a bunch of years and it's not going to hurt us every year once that happens. Right. But that didn't happen and the cap remained flat. So now you have teams. I mean, I think the best examples of the league now are probably like Seattle and Detroit who have like a ton of cap room and it allows them to just absolutely swindle people in trades, <laughs> you know, and like uh, the, the like a good example of one of these that Seattle could do a version of this in the draft was how uh, that Mark Savard guy ended up with the lightning for the playoffs. So mm-hmm. that was listed on paper as a three way trade with Columbus and Detroit, but it was really like three different trades wherein. Detroit basically agrees to pay a chunk of this dude's salary who will never play for them. (laughs) And then to get rid of one of their guys to technically be quote unquote traded for him. And then basically it's almost like, like something out of Ozark. Like everyone is like (laughs) taking a cut of the guy's pay to allow Tampa to get this really good defenseman for like a third or a quarter of the price for the playoff run. And then Columbus and Detroit, are paying off the guy's salary while getting draft picks and stuff in return. So like when teams are in a desperate situation like that, that's basically what starts to happen is you're like offloading stuff in a fire sale and teams that have room to just eat cash for whatever reason can like really get a lot of benefits from that. And to be clear in that, in that scenario, Tampa was the desperate one under the cap. Yeah, yeah, they okay. were really pressed. They all they were already doing hokey pokey with Kucherov and the long term injury <laughs> reserve and stuff. So they were able to add like a great defenseman for the price of like a league minimum guy or like a rookie, basically. Right. You know, and they didn't have to to deal with any of that stuff. So it's just kind of like the and the fact that this year's like the entry draft class is not like the strongest. And there mm-hmm. aren't necessarily coveted players out there. Like that all factors into how, you know, 
decisions will be made around draft day. So a lot of deals might just look very unusual on paper, but often the short answer is the salary cap. Got it. Yeah, the cap influences pretty much everything that gets done in the league. And you could say that about other leagues, but I feel like it's especially true and maybe especially extreme in the NHL because you do have the confluence of it's a hard cap. So not like the NBA where you have wiggle room to go over the cap and sign guys. I guess you could say Tampa generated that wiggle room through like some of the most extreme tactics we've seen. Uh, and they are definitely the outlier in that regard. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really creates situations where teams put such a premium on just being able to fit under that floor. And there's a like very complicated, you know, formula for like, it's the number of days that you're under, you know, it's, it's some kind of thing where like you find the technicality. Uh, of it and and yeah to your point jake teams that have a lot of space can basically act as like a sponge for other teams cap space and then take like a tax off of uh moves that they uh, that other teams make uh and really it, it again comes down to that shakedown thing where it's like you know uh, the the protection racket where they come <laughs> to your casino or whatever and they're like you know it would be a shame if, if somebody did something here so you pay us uh, you know our cut and we'll make sure that that doesn't happen by us uh so <laughs> yeah it's uh the nhl as a as a mafia operation is kind of an interesting framing of things but i think it kind of works in some regards that's that's so that's a lot of like what was going on under this like when we were watching it, I was shocked, Jake, at how you just thirty-two out of you thirty-one out of thirty-one did. You you predicted each one perfectly, and then you mentioned <laughs> that they did all leak, and several of them were there, being directly introduced by Mister Macklemore and Mister um, Two Hundred Six himself, as you say. <laughs> um, and, um, I guess I was just kind of curious on, like, from a presentation standpoint, like, wh- how did that leak? Was that just like the teams were less interested in the spectacle of of of, of, you know, the beautiful city of Seattle, as perhaps the ESPN company was? Well, I will say the one team that didn't leak any was my Detroit Red Wings. Like, we kept that tight for 48 <laughs> hours when everyone else was leaking like a sieve because Steve Eiserman <laughs> had, you know, I don't know what they do. I mean, it's it's crazy that, like, one out of 31 teams didn't have their, their pick leak. I imagine... There, there are two explanations. I think one is ESPN's workflow. It could be that like uh, so many people and so many new people at ESPN had access mm-hmm. to the picks that it just got out of hand. Like everybody's got the buddy who's like, you know, a Predators fan. You let him know, okay, here's who they got, but I won't tell anybody else. And like, times 30 <laughs> or uh, I just, I also think that, you know, the NHL dictates, the terms of like how the show is going to roll out for the most part. And I think there is a case to me that ESPN could be pretty peeved at the NHL for insisting that the picks had to be like pretty much done and ready to present like 24 hours in advance, mm-hmm. which it seems like that's kind of what was going on. And like they were like ESPN was rehearsing different picks during the day. People were taking videos of that. So it, I mean, it just seems like the you know the, the PR teams from the from ESPN and the NHL need to get together and be like, what in the heck happened here? Like, how are we letting not just a couple, but literally every single pick but one leak <laughs> before this live event we're hyping? Um, and also, I think it's it's indicative of the fact that uh, 
the front offices of these other teams too. Like that's the thing. I feel like if the leak was on the ESPN and let's say, or like the NHL crew, why wasn't the wings pick leaked? Yeah. So is it that just like all the reporters from their own respective markets were able to just like bang on the doors for long enough to get them to leak? I don't know. I mean, the scenarios are interesting, but I think it didn't totally take away from the, the, the live event experience. I just think that like the ESPN and the league should figure out how it happens so it doesn't happen again. Like if that were to happen with the NHL draft, people would actually lose their minds. I think because that would be like maybe a bigger deal for fans than the expansion draft. And you know, if you can imagine like being one of these kids, you, you like some picks are a foregone conclusion, but like the way this happened was just kind of like embarrassing on a whole different level. Well, yeah, I guess to that point, like not to get all spy versus spy on you, but this event was not a zero sum game. Like there was no, <clears throat> there was no um, information. The information had no value to the team who lost the player. And it had no value to the team that picked the player because it was a, like, there was no way that new information coming out would change the decisions being made. Right. And so like, I yeah. guess that like your, your idea of like, well, if Detroit didn't leak, then that actually leads us to believe that perhaps it wasn't an NHL or ESPN leak, but rather it was just like, well, this is a really easy beat sweetener for any given local nearby reporter yeah. at every at, at thirty different home offices. Yeah, you, you know, know, get off my back on what, whatever the the like pesky issue is. Like, I'll toss you an expansion pick, and you know, yeah. go ahead. Except for the wings, they're like, nah, we don't care. Like, <laughs> you got to find out later. And also, I mean, don't discount the effect of agents in this because every player oh, right. had to be informed, uh, you know, beforehand and their agent had to be informed beforehand. So there's a th- also another uh, one of the theories is just that the agents leaked it to the press just to kind of, you know, get uh, get out there where their player was going. And there was no like like you guys were saying, there's no there was no reason not to because it didn't really confer some kind of competitive advantage to hang on to it. Uh, now, maybe they should change the amount of time that uh, went into between like when the player informed the, or when the team informed the player and the agent about it uh, and when the pick actually was made uh, and, and reduce that. But I don't know. There's no reason again, to kind of come back to it, to keep that a secret. Uh, everyone involved wanted to know probably as soon as possible. I have a quick format pitch for the NHL. So what if you make your protected list known like the last week of the season or mm-hmm. whatever, and then Seattle can have scouts like come to your last game and you make it like kind of like a, like a several part mini televised event <laughs> where like at some point during the game, the players from each team who are going to get taken are announced and they have to leave the ice. They just get like removed like right away. Yeah. You've been voted off the island. Yeah, make people just like really tune into games that otherwise would not matter from teams that have been eliminated and stuff. You know, just like have them get beamed up mid-game. I also think they could. uh, What what if like uh, each team there was some way to have like you know an secret envelopes with like three player names from each team revealed only, and and you have like. 30 seconds or a minute as Ron Francis or whoever uh, to decide, like you don't have any, any advance warning of who, you know, you can guess who it'll be, but then they'll show you like, uh, you know, and, and they'll have cutaways of like the three players. And it's like, which one will Seattle take? You're uh, describing show. We need an award show style thing. <laughs> yeah, we need nominees. Exactly. That's what so I was like, thinking of. So like they you got the three the box. Announce- exactly. The team announces their open the candidates. List. 
And then the Kraken announce their three from each, and then they fly them <laughs> to Seattle, right? And then they get to uh, pull out the envelope, or rather, like a, a fish corpse that, for whatever reason, has this stuff down their gullet. And and then they get to, and then Macklemore gets to announce who the goalie is. <laughs> like, <laughs> what if it was randomized? What if they didn't even they they could only pick their final three, but then the person wow. that they took out of the three was totally random. That would be I'm a guessing huge they would not have agreed to that for but... sports statisticians, wouldn't it, Neil? Wouldn't it be a huge? <laughs> no, giveaway? I was thinking for fish peddlers in the Seattle area because the randomization would be they would toss the fish, and then whichever <laughs> fish contain, like you know, whichever one you catch has in its mouth the name of the player that you pick, and you just reach in there and grab it out, but it's randomized. That's funny. That's again, like talk about like the what the frozen draft ballot, right? Whatever the draft lottery. Thing. Yes, the frozen, frozen envelope. envelope. Yeah, this will be the, the frozen, frozen tilapia. Like, <laughs> yeah, frozen tilapia. Yes. That being said, I love the aesthetics of this event because I don't know if you, I, you know, I'm sure that you guys follow the hockey message sports. I follow the comic book message sports, and it was really great to get a conclusion to what happens when you drop a gigantic monstrous squid on a major American city. And the answer is they do all come together. Ozymandias was right. I've been saying this for he years. Was right. Yeah. <laughs> the book was like much- a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say I, I wonder how much like the, the the team is gonna flesh out like what a kraken or their kraken looks like yeah like I mean I kind of dig that they've kept like just the animal itself vague and just they show a little tentacle and the logo you know they kind of have like the depth is the whole theme but I do wonder at a certain point like are you know are, are we gonna have a collective understanding of what a kraken looks like for yeah. people are, we, are they gonna have Ozzy the kraken who who goes and skates out upon the ice <laughs> like, uh, and will it infringe upon the Red Wings uh, octopi mascot I'm already I'm already a little uptight about this like yeah. first first you had Nashville throwing like catfish out there which is like all right I mean you know flattery that's fine but yeah, now we're talking about tentacles and ice and like you're getting into our turf. Like this is something that we pioneered. <laughs> like people walk with a, just a disgusting, stinky octopus hidden in their coat for these games. And like you need to respect the sacrifice these people made. <laughs> <laughs> so many coats were ruined uh, <laughs> in, in the pursuit of this. You can't take this away. All right. So we're going to give this draft draft greats. Um, the grade is going to be on a scale of, um, I'm just going to pick a team, the Thrashers to, um, the Vegas, uh, where, where do you think that this falls upon that? (laughs) So, so what are we doing? Like, uh, like four, four Thrashers or four Vegas or 3.5 Vegas. Yeah. (laughs) I realized that I created a system that I myself do not understand. (laughs) So I'm going to give this a a two-part San Jose Sharks and one part uh, Nashville Predators. Sounds like a delightful cocktail. But but yeah, so I guess on a scale of 4 to 16, how about that? Where do do we come down? I give it like a – I give it a a 12, you know, or like a half Vegas. Give it like a half Vegas. Uh, So you're giving it an Atlantic City. That's really great. Okay. Neil, (laughs) what are you giving it? Yeah, if Vegas was, I, I think Vegas was like a fifteen on your scale. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, like a like a twelve, a, a eleven point five uh, thrashers. Uh, so thrasher arena. Units. 
Okay. Well, yeah, you know, like, you know, the Thrashers were, what did you say the lowest one was, four? Yes. I think the Thrashers were like a 4.3 or something. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, the Ottawa Senators probably were like a four in 1992 or whenever that whenever that was so i think i mean when the ottawa senators did their pick i think uh they like uh they got they had an old photocopied like um not up to date uh list of the players who were available so multiple times they tried to pick players who were not actually on the unprotected list <laughs> oh my god so that's like a 4 or maybe that's a 3.5 we're actually dipping below the th- so thrashers are a 4 but you can go below that so that's a 3.5 uh so by that standard yeah i think this is like an 11.5 or a 12 that's pretty good all right good for them and then they, from the sound of it they have you know actually a couple months to make some serious moves too so uh, you know they they currently have 31 players on their team by the time that puck drops in the beginning of the no, season they have how 30. many oh they have 30 i'm sorry yes because vegas those rat bastards um so um but so they have 30 players on their team in your estimation how many of those players will be on that team when they play their first game that's a good question Hell that's yeah. a great question you can steal that block yeah, I'd say, if you want i'd, 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 I'd say block. probably i'd say definitely like four at least four or five of the defensemen will 100 percent be there Mm-hmm. For the forwards, though, I mean, I feel like guys like, you know, Eberly, Tanev, Blackwell, definitely Yanni Gore will probably be their first line center. But beyond that, I think a lot of them could definitely get traded. And you also got to remember, like, they're going to draft guys and, you know, free agency signings and all that stuff. And a lot of these guys are going to have to fill their uh, minor league team. Too. Mm. So. You know, I, I definitely seems like they built it out from the back, and then for the forward core, I don't really know beyond those guys I, I mentioned. Yeah, if we can include, like, you know, whether we're talking about their opening night NHL level roster or just in their system, I mean, I could see probably like you know. 20 plus of these guys being in the system uh mm-hmm. you know in the season or whatever um you know uh probably fewer than that on opening night though interesting all right cool wow this was fun anything else we wanted to hit while we were all together uh i guess uh, what i'm gonna maybe miss about uh you know now that we're set with like 32 teams there's no you know, anticipation for the Kraken left. I know while we were talking about like why Wisconsin doesn't have an NHL team. And I think, I mean, the league and expansion just seem to be like a good fit for each other. And Uh I, I think there are actually not a lot of arguments you can make against adding more teams in the next like decade or two. Um, other than, you know, obviously for the players and like the schedule getting insane, but Like, I I, I just think, you know, a team in Wisconsin and, like, Quebec City would be kind of, like, priorities down the line. But I I, I wonder, you know, by the – like, let's say it's by Seattle's 10th season, Mm -hmm. how many current teams in the league right now will have moved is is something that could be interesting. Like, the Florida Panthers, the Phoenix Coyotes – you know, there are a couple teams that were like the Ottawa Senators even could, could move. Um, so I'd be interested to see like what the makeup of the league will be, because I think like they're, you know, they're real close. And I think, you know, Vegas and Seattle have been great choices as expansion cities. But, you know, the Bettman 
overall like strategy of going for Sunbelt, you know, expansion rather than in traditional hockey markets. I wonder if the pendulum will swing back mm. to the more traditional hockey market direction, whether that's through teams moving or more expansions. But yeah, I'm just kind of addicted to the whole expansion thing. Like I want there to be like more expansions. It was fun. It's a yeah. great concept. Neil, where are you at on this? Do you think like because 32 is to its very detriment an extremely composite number. It is extremely to divide in very easy ways. And so there's adding another team, adding another team. It seems mathematically, you know, ostentatious. But I suppose, like, where are you at in terms of future expansion? Yeah, I think we do have to pour one out for the era of odd-numbered NHL teams, which <laughs> lasted, uh, you know, um, <laughs> a couple of years. I mean, you don't see leagues with odd numbers of teams uh hang around with that for very long. I also think it's interesting that the NHL is the league that has done both of the major pro sports expansions since 2004, uh, which is like, that's weird. And now very, they're tied very counterintuitive. The, <laughs> yeah, they're tied with the NFL for the most teams of any uh, league in the big four North American right. pro leagues. So, you know, I do think that it, it will be a while. And yeah, uh, like you were saying, Jake, it, it will probably see a lot more relocation than we're, uh, than we'll see expansion. And that's true. Uh, that's been true of the other leagues. Also, um, we've seen a lot of relocation, um, uh, especially recently, I think with, with Vegas and we could credit the golden Knights with this also uh -huh. that Vegas being opened up as a viable place for the other leagues to experiment with either threatening to leave for <laughs> or actually leaving for. And we'll, uh, you know, who knows the Oakland A's, we might see that um, happen again in baseball pretty soon uh, as well, given what happened with their, um, their city council uh, meetings slash shakedown this week. <laughs> so yeah, I think that um, I, I would be surprised if we saw, NHL expansion again anytime soon just because it feels like they've gotten um, it out of their system and what we've seen and maybe the lessons learned from the NHL in the 90s was the product really suffers when you expand uh, by more than a couple teams over the course of like a five to ten year period. Uh, the NHL expanded from, I want to say like 21 teams to like nearly 30 in the course of 10 years or less uh, from the late 80s until the um, early 2000s. And that was like that that I think contributed in some ways to uh, the dead puck era and some of the sort of decreases in the quality of play that were have only really been recently corrected and sort of allowed to catch up in terms of the player pool. So uh, that's uh, those are all factors that I think play into why uh, we we might be done with NHL expansion for a little while. And like you were saying, Jake, we might see more relocation. For sure, because there's some pretty uh, questionable markets that have been sort of propped up for years by the NHL, and uh, I, I wonder how long that can kind of persist. These Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yes, uh, the Coyotes are sort of the classic one, uh, and and have been for a long time. And so, uh, yeah, I wonder, you know, and and it does seem like really the Winnipeg Jets are kind of the the archetypal example of returning to a place where you sort of <clears> abandoned <throat> in the haste, the greed of the 90s, uh, and you realize maybe that was a mistake and there is a fan base and you can go back to the Canadian markets and, and kind of really build something there. And so, yeah, Quebec City seems like it's really the the next logical place to, to put a team and yeah, probably going to be through relocation. 
See, you guys keep on mentioning the Coyotes, and like I didn't believe that there were fans of that organization for a while until it was like during the dregs of the pandemic, like like the rough times that uh, Michael got really into looking at like southwestern ranch style houses in Arizona and New Mexico, and like, just like doing the like Zillow like online tours of it. And he would occasionally send me some. And one time I saw this guy. It was like a very gigantic rich house. And clearly like, you know, it's a normal ass Southwestern house. It's a lovely, there's a bunch of turquoise everywhere. It's all the classic shit. And then you go into the basement, which is functionally a shrine to the Arizona Coyotes organization. And so apparently they exist. Does he have a Keith Kachuk jersey or something with candles around it? He had more jerseys than one needed, like in frames. And like, it was, it was clearly like, like whoever, Like you always wonder, like man, who can afford those box seats? I found the guy. I found the guy who can get the box seats, and uh, they they really love this organization. But I'm sure that he'll follow them to Quebec City, so it'll be fine. I just wonder what it's like to be a fan of the kind. It's like it's like being a fan of like a, a house that a bank foreclosed on. Or something. Like, it's just like like that's basically what the team is, and you're kind of like, okay, like how much longer can this like go on for? That's great. Um, all right. So that's that's the draft, and then there's another draft this weekend. That'll be fun. Um, the draft draft. All of us can be drafted is, is what I learned from the last time that we spoke about the draft, Neil. So what round do you think I go in? <laughs> How many rounds are there? Unaware. Six? six? <laughs> so yeah, you'd be a late sixth. <laughs> a Madden score of... Uh, or, who's the you're, Madden of hockey? You're a depth... Uh, Just well, NHL I guess series. before it was, it was before he was uh, canceled. It was Don Cherry. <laughs> Yikes! Mean, oh, you mean the like, literal? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant the video game. Of, yeah, of I did hockey. mean the video. Yes. <laughs> oh, the guy though. Oh, God. I was really worried that he had Don Cherry. Hardcore by EA Sports. I don't know if we need much more toxicity in video games, boys. Anyway, um, so <laughs> Don Cherry Hockey 2021. Uh, with an excellent with that um all right this is fun uh again we're going to be sporadically on over the course of the summer so if you don't see us for a few weeks that's kind of normal that's apparently how hockey works uh neil where can folks find you uh they can find me at 538 uh spell out all the the numbers as words and uh yeah we're doing a lot of olympic stuff unfortunately not olympic hockey because it's uh the summer olympics although i guess you know field hockey is a thing but mm-hmm. uh yeah i no no ice hockey we'll have to wait for uh for next year for that all right again we should be a field hockey podcast that would be really funny um <laughs> One Jake. episode. <laughs> we should do that. What Fuck. episode? Um, uh, Jake, where are you at these days? <laughs> on the field, like, I mean, it is, when I worked at this high school in Paris, I like had told them a couple times I was a hockey fan, grew up playing hockey, and like the entire time they were imagining me playing field hockey. <laughs> and I didn't like figure this out until like months later. <laughs> Where, but anyway, so I thought that was funny, just because you know Title Nine and stuff. It's, it's it's so weird here in the US, but um, the. So I'm on, you know, insider.com, uh, at Jake LaHut, L-A-H-U-T, on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Trying to work out a Twitch presence at some point. Ooh. You know, just, uh, I don't know. Something about filming myself while playing video games would be nuts, but, like, I do like playing FIFA and, and Warzone and making, you know, 12-year-olds days miserable, so. There you go. The, 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 yeah. American dream. Well, if you ever play NHL 94. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We should maybe do a tournament. Couple of goons tournament. 
That'd be that'd be great. And EA, yeah. EA, if any if any of you work for EA Sports and you're listening to this, like, please just throw the franchise some love. I'm begging you. Like, <laughs> oh my god, something, yeah, just something. That's fun. Uh, and I'm Walter Hickey. You can find me on the internet. I am writing in the back of your yearbook. Have a kick-ass summer. Bye. <laughs>